The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Pre-Med Year, session number 449. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years, Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. I'm excited about our episode today of two great guests who started a company while in medical school and are now trying to take over the world in terms of how you learn content. Before we jump into that, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. The question that I get a lot is, what do I need? What score do I need to get in? And the answer is, it's it's way too complicated to tell you that. We can tell you, the AAMC can tell you, that the average for matriculants is about a 5, 11 point something, right? And, and that's for AMCAS schools that go through the AMCAS application. And for TMDSAS, it's very similar. For ACOMIS, for DO schools, it's a little bit lower. The, the answer to the question is not as easy as, oh, get a 510 and you'll get in because there are so many variables that get into a whole application and what a medical school is looking for and will they overlook a lower MCAT score if you have better extracurriculars or a higher GPA. It's impossible to know because every medical school is different. So the answer to your question is get as high of a score as you can get. Go check out Blueprint MCAT at blueprintmcat.com. Sign up for a free account where you get free half-length diagnostic, full-length one, which we're covering on the MCAT podcast, as well as an amazing study planner tool. That's the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. And today's guest goes along with the MCAT theme. And I love this company because they're not a competitor to Blueprint MCAT. They're actually a great addition to Blueprint MCAT. And today I'm going to talk about Sketchy MCAT. Started by some medical students when they were in medical school, realizing that learning information over and over and over and over again, especially very boring information like microbiology, it's hard because you're learning just straight memorization. You're just trying to learn all of the facts. And when you learn one thing, you forget something else. And something that I love about this company, because it ties in with my philosophy on storytelling, is that they're using stories in the form of images and videos and narration around the videos to help you remember 
boring information. And they've done very well in the medical school space, helping students do well on the USMLA step one, their their boards. And now they just came out with an MCAT tool as well to help you learn the key information that the MCAT is trying to teach you with these visuals to help you learn and memorize all of this information in a way that you can remember these stories, the way that our brains are wired to learn. And I had a guest on the pre-med years back in episode 265, Luis Angel, who was a memory master champion on Fox's Superhuman show. And we walked through basically what Sketchy is helping you do with images and videos. Luis and I walked through how to use images and, and use places in your house or, or anywhere else to assign values to those things. And that's what we're gonna talk about today with Sketchy and, and learn how this model of learning you can start using today even without using the Sketchy MCAT, but learning how to tell yourself stories as you are trying to learn information to make that information stay in your brain longer so that you can do better on tests, do better on the MCAT, do better on the boards, and everything in between. So let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to talk to Dr. Andrew Berg and Dr. Saud Siddiqui, both co-founders of Sketchy. Andrew and Saud, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Uh, thank you for having us. I'm excited Thanks. to chat. Two doctors... Uh, three doctors on the call, two two of you, one of me, uh, who have found kind of a life outside of medicine. Before we jump into that life outside of medicine, I, I want to ask the very famous question that, that everyone asks. Is, Andrew, when did you realize you wanted to be a doctor? Oh, man. Uh, so, you know, I, I really didn't decide actually until uh, towards the end of my, my college uh, education. I was uh, actually, a business e economics major, and and made the switch halfway through, uh, but that is probably a little bit of uh, a lie because it was always kind of part of my childhood. My my father was a psychiatrist, so uh, I think I had some tidbits of exposure to medicine uh, throughout my life. So I was probably primed more than I realized. But <laughs> uh, in reality, uh, I I think I didn't make the decision until midway through college. Yeah. Were you going through like a rebellious, I'm not going to follow, follow in my father's footsteps, so I'm going to choose uh, yeah. something completely different? And then you're like, oh, shoot, never mind. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I mean, if you asked me when I was a kid, it would have been, you would have heard either a marine biologist. Uh, I think I wanted to be like a, a detective at one point and then a filmmaker. So, nice. um, yeah. A little yeah. bit of everything. Saud, what about you? I also... Um, pretty late into college probably um i came in undecided um but i you know took some bio biology classes uh to just kind of hit the prereqs if it was something that i decided i wanted to do um and uh you know i have uh i have pakistani parents so any anybody <laughs> out there that's brown will get the joke that uh they plant the seed pretty early so you kind of start thinking about it um, and so kind of took the prereqs, did some shadowing, uh, at pretty early in college, um, and spoke to a lot of physicians, uh, in, in kind of 
different specialties and and decided um i'd say halfway through college that it was the path i wanted to go down yeah as you were going through the the path what what was the hardest part for you being a pre-med student learning all of the material that you needed to learn to take the mcat way back in the day uh and, and then going through medical school as well what what were the the hiccups for you to to learn and understand all this information Yeah, I'd say for me, it was um, kind of this feeling of every time you got to the the next step, um, the bar was suddenly higher. Um, so definitely, you know, getting into college, starting to take those pre-med classes, um, it was a big jump from, you know, the classes that I had in high school. Um, and so really making that adjustment to be able to perform in the new environment um, was a challenge. Um, and same thing happened again in med school, I'd say, um, you know, you get into med school and all of a sudden it's again, um, just a lot more intense, a lot more you need to learn. It's a lot more complex and, and you have to do it faster. Um, so generally just like getting onto that curve, um, was tough for me. Um, but mm -hmm. once I was able to get there, um, I think I was, you know, really able to manage the rest. Okay. Yeah. It, it's funny when you, when you say, uh, getting on that curve, all I can picture in my head is, is, uh, like sprint training where, where people have these like professional, uh, athletic treadmills that they turn up to like 20 miles an hour and they're standing on the side of it and they're like getting ready. They're like, they're putting their foot on it and it throws their foot back and then they just jump on and run. It's like, that's the, that's the learning curve you have to get on for medical school. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And you just got to do it. So yeah, you, you just got it or else, right? It's the, it's the, the famous, I'm sure you guys have seen the, the pancake eat, eating analogy for medical school. Have you seen that one? The pancake one? No. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I've heard Oh, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal analogy. There's a, there's a good YouTube video about it that, that medical school is, is like needing to eat 10 pancakes a day. And, and sometimes you don't want to eat 10, panca 10 pancakes a day, so you only eat five. But then tomorrow you have 15 because you got behind, and then you have to eat 15 that day. And then it's just this, this avalanche of getting behind, and it's, it's just a perfect analogy for what medical school is. Totally. That's great. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Andrew, what about you? As you were going through this process, uh, where, where did you struggle as a, as a pre-med student and as a medical student? Oh man, organic chemistry is not my strength. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, that was, yeah, that was probably the biggest struggle, uh, for sure. Uh, I, I remember like my econ classes, uh, I, I really enjoyed them, but I just thought they were just so much less challenging than, uh, organic chemistry. And so that was quite a shocker for me for sure. Yeah. Um, but in general, I mean, I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I took a couple years off, uh, between, uh, being a pre-med and going to med school and, uh, you know, had a, a normal job, uh, working as a research associate. And, uh, so to me, honestly, going back to med school felt like such a, an amazing break, uh, like being able to just study all the time and, go to Starbucks, uh, hang out with friends. Um, and so, you know, and if you set yourself to somewhat of a normal work week schedule, uh, studying all of that time, like, I don't know, I, I, I for me, switching from pre-med to med was like a big kind of weight off my shoulders. 
I would say that continued to be the case until around like end of second year when you start studying for boards and it just really becomes, you know, in, insanely immersed in your uh, in your studies. And then switching into the third year was uh, was, a, I'd say, a pretty big uh, shocker. Uh, yeah. Definitely that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, in general, my pre-med, I would say, uh, I, you know, the one thing I, I would say is like it was it's not like any one of like those decisions that you make was when you're a pre-med to stay in and study, but it's just kind of like death by a thousand cuts where, you know, everybody else is, uh, you know, doing something, hanging out and like you're volunteering in the hospital or uh, studying for an exam. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, you don't have to make the right decision every time. Uh, you just have to make the right decision most of the times. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, those small sacrifices, I think really uh, paid off. Um, cause to be honest, like it wasn't a sure thing that I was going to get into med school having switched late and kind of being non-traditional. So, um, I felt, uh, you know, really lucky to get in. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, I, I think it was kind of the small decisions. Yeah. So you mentioned the boards at the end of second year. And now a lot of students listening to this may have no idea, what the boards are. And that's an important, probably part of both of your journeys to where you're at now. Talk, talk about medical school and and what the boards are and what that meant to you all. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are three steps to the boards, uh, step one, step two, and step three, uh, appropriately named. Um, and the first step you take at usually towards the end of your second year. Um, and uh, so that's really all of your preclinical knowledge, which are typical courses are like pathology, physiology, anatomy, et cetera. Um, so none of the clinical stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and what the boards are is a way to nationally benchmark you against other students um, uh, to make sure really it's a, it's a double check on your medical school to make sure that they're teaching you all the right things. Yeah. Um, it used to be a, a score that you would get, and that score was oftentimes, if not the most important in the top three, for sure, most important factors for deciding which uh, residency program you get into. Yep. Um, but that switched to pass fail recently. So um, now it's uh, uh, a little bit less of pressure, but still, you, of course, don't want to uh, not pass the board. So uh, it'll certainly be uh, kind of the culminating uh, uh, experience at the end of your second year that really kind of where you have to bring everything together and uh, cram. Yeah. Um, so it, when, yeah, I mean, I remember it was pretty typical for our class. Like obviously you're studying for the board sort of throughout the whole two years. It's kind of always in the back of your mind, but you have about a month of really intensive studying, uh, leading up to that first, that first step. And, um, so that, that was kind of like the first time where I was like, oh man, this is, uh, this is pretty intense. Yeah. Um, and, and for, for everyone listening to this, it's like, even if you think you're good at, at standardized tests, like this is this is beyond, right? We we always talk about the MCAT, or at least I do. The MCAT's just a test to test how good you are at taking the MCAT. It's just a completely different test. And then there's step one of the boards or, or level one if you're an osteopathic student, where you could know a, a lot about everything, 
And and if you don't put the pieces together properly, you'll still do very poorly because the question will ask you something. And you're like, oh, I know what that is. That's strep throat. But then the 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 presentation, the clinical presentation they give you, you're like, oh, that's strep throat. That's easy. And then you look for a strep throat as the answer, and it's not there because they're asking you, well, what's what's the sequelae ten years from now, and how would you treat that? I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> I don't I don't remember that. But anyway, so exactly. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. And then you do it all again for uh, level two. So, or step two. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, never ending exam. Never ending. And then so as a physician, you have all your board yeah. exams. So it's just, it's never ending. Exactly. At, at what point in your journey did, did you and two other co-founders of, of sketchy medical get together and go, you know what? Like the way that our medical school is teaching us or the way that my brain works just isn't working to retain all of this information. So I'm going to just doodle and, and make, and make these, these pictures to help me learn things. Where, where did that idea come from? Well, I, I liked your pancake analogy. I think we often yeah. use the treadmill analogy uh, in that it feels like every time we were, we were in microbiology, that was kind of the class that led to the genesis of Sketchy. Uh, it was also the first course that we offered. Um, and Sayud and I were in the same study group and we were studying late together and uh, we were realizing really like we would learn like five new bunches of like bacteria or viruses and they would kick out <laughs> it seemed like five of the ones we had learned like last week uh, kick, and it kick just out of your like, brain yeah exactly yeah like like a yeah. treadmill uh, every you time you put something in there's not <laughs> enough space and we felt like we had to push something out um yeah. so yeah and uh so kind of out of desperation and boredom really we started weaving them into funny stories and and uh then we would go to sleep and the next day I realized, wow, we actually like remembered all of those. And uh, the stories, we'd draw them out a little bit. Neither side or I are artists. You can actually see my art on the bacillus anthracis video and the med school content um, as a joke. But uh, <laughs> we, yeah, we, neither of us are artists. And, uh, but it, like, nonetheless, like just, you know, telling these cool narratives having like really simple visuals that accompany the bacteria really seemed to make it stick. Mm. Um, we started teaching our, our way of uh, learning to our, our study uh, companions. We had a, like an eight person study group and they all loved it. Um, and so uh, eventually uh, Sarah and I were thinking we should just throw some up on YouTube and see if other people would like them too. Uh, and so I don't know if you want to tell the story about, how we met Brian and we kind of started going down this rabbit hole with this idea because it just, it just seemed to work so well. And what we wanted to do was really recreate that experience for, for other people of, you know, someone, you know, standing in front of a whiteboard or, you know, having a piece of paper and drawing it out and telling you the story as it goes. Um, and so, you know, Andrew and I tried to do that. And like Andrew mentioned, our, our art was not great. Um, and one day we were studying at Starbucks with, uh, I mean, our, our classmate, uh, Brian happened to be there and instead of studying, he was drawing this, you know, magnificent picture of, uh, I think it was like an elephant on his screen. And we we're like, Hey, well, what are you doing? Um, did, you know, did you draw that? And, and we kind of told him about our idea and, and he was already, you know, sort of doing some of that already. Um, and so we thought, Hey, this is probably a good, 
you know, a good team here to, to actually start creating some of this stuff. Um, so yeah, we put a couple of videos on YouTube. We had uh, Salmonella, Proteus, Klebsiella. They're, they should still be up from like 2013 um, and just put up like a landing page that would be like, hey, if you like this, put your email here. Um, and really it just took off. I mean, people would share it, um, send it to others. It, it just kind of had this like viral um, feeling to it um, and people really connected with it and found it useful. Um, and really the first questions we would get was, um, you know, where's the rest? Um, and, uh, when can I use this for, for so-and-so bacteria? Um, and, you know, we were not planning to do all of this, um, and just, you know, didn't realize how quickly folks started asking for it. Um, but, uh, you know, the demand was, was so strong and, and we really believed in, in what we had put together and, uh, you know, it really helps us get through medical school, especially second year. Um, and it really stopped that, uh, you know, to use your pancake analogy, I probably had like a stack of 500 pancakes that had like piled up <laughs> and this helped me get through that stack, you know, yeah. um, and then keep up. Uh, so it was something that we thought, you know, we'd be, re you know, we want to do that for other people. And so uh, we decided to continue to create content while, while we were in school, um, really as a parallel uh path um so you know we continued like normal medical students um and then residency um and and you know built sketchy at the same time so for for someone listening to this they go okay you're talking about uh bacillus anthracis and klebsiella and, and and these these bugs and stuff like what story are you telling to to help that stick in your mind, to give a student an idea of maybe something they can do as they're sitting there studying their micro for the MCAT or whatever it is. What? How do you go through that process of figuring out the story to tell? Yeah. So, uh, as I mean, as we uh, started posting the first few videos, and people were like, so you said, demanding the rest of the course. Uh, it, it definitely made us sweat a little bit because. Uh, each one of those sketches took about, you know, anywhere from 20 to 40 hours of, of work uh, behind the scenes to, to deliver that final polished product. So uh, it, it really, it started with making sure we had all of the right information and material and, uh, you know, going to a bunch of dif different sources. Uh, and then uh, the, what we call now uh, the mind smelt, <laughs> which uh yeah, we can get in that in a second, but uh, the uh, the kind of creative session where you start creating all of the uh, symbols for all of the content in the in the sketch uh, that would take a number of hours, and uh, then we'd uh, have to animate it out, and um, and then soon, like after we started doing, you know, three, four, five of them, we we started using recurring symbols and uh, starting use, started using all sorts of techniques to try to group and classify. Uh, the different bugs, like whether that be, you know, we'd have day scenes for RNA positive viruses and uh, night scenes for the RNA negative ones. And um, and then we'd use different color schemes. And so it all kind of started falling into place uh, through micro. And um, but like to, to as an example, uh, I think one, you know, most pre-meds might not know too much about salmonella, but uh, for our salmonella sketch, uh, it is uh, one of the classic uh, things is that it's passed down through uh, undercooked chicken. So mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, our salmonella sketch was a chicken dinner, uh, but instead of it like being the chicken for for dinner, it was a chicken that was uh, having a, a seagull over for dinner, um, <laughs> and they were serving salmon. So salmon was the tie-in for salmonella. Uh, we had the chicken there because that was uh, part of the transmission. Uh, they were eating off of black plates, uh, and that's because the auger plates uh, that salmonella grows on are black. Uh, they're called hecto and auger. And so uh, we just kept adding elements uh, like that to to really, so you could close your eyes, picture that salmon dinner, and then name off all of the features about salmonella that you would get tested on. So it, it seems like at the end of the day, it, it comes down to viewing these sketches, uh, kind of seeing the story behind uh, what that sketch is, and then being able to tie together different parts of what you're trying to teach to the different aspects of the image for, for people who can, can picture that in their head. Is that, is that about right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, we didn't know at the time, uh, now we have done a lot more research on it, but, uh, there is real power to, uh, visual memory, um, memory masters, there are memory challenges that go on, uh, every year there's a, a an international championship and, all of those memory masters use uh, the same visual technique. It's called uh, the memory palace technique yeah. or the method of loci. And it really, I mean, unlocks orders of magnitude, better memory. Uh, as an example, uh, uh, this is uh, uh, a little interesting tidbit. Um, the fastest time to remember a deck of cards using just rote memory is 15 minutes. Um, and last I checked, I think the record time for using the memory palace technique was 14 seconds uh, to get through and recall an entire deck of cards. Uh, so it's uh, for those that are really well practiced in it, it's not only just uh, increased accuracy and duration of retention, but also speed uh, and really rapid uh, retrieval of memory. So um, there's been a ton of studies, uh, some some of the more remarkable ones, uh, I, I remember there was one from, I believe it was Duke and MIT. Uh, they uh, tested, uh, hu like it was uh, human subjects and they were shown like something around like 3000 images flashed on a screen for three seconds. And they were able to uh, recognize around 90% of those images uh, when tested later, which is just crazy. I mean, it took five hours of showing them images huh. for, at three seconds at a time. and. Uh, so like we as humans have robust visual memories, um, and it makes sense evolutionarily. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have to remember lists of items, uh, language developed relatively recently. Uh, but what we have had to, uh, remember is where the food came from, what dangers to avoid, uh, where your, the rest of your family is. So, uh, obviously, um, that kind of pressure cooker is, uh, uh, really, uh, finally tuned our visual spatial memory. And yeah. uh, that's what we're tapping into. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I had on this podcast back in episode 265, uh, Luis Angel, who is a, a memory master champion on Fox's Superhuman show. And and we went through what, what that looked like. Um, basically, he gave this example of you're walking through your house and you you see your shoes sitting there and you assign something to your shoes, some something that you want to remember, you assign that to your shoes. And then the art on the wall, you assign something else to uh, the art on the wall. And basically what you're doing is with, with Sketchy is you're taking that technique and putting it in a picture 
and letting the student look at the picture and retain the information. So instead of the the shoes in your entryway, entryway, it's a piece of salmon on on a plate. That's yeah, awesome. Exactly. Exactly. We're creating these kind of shared memory palaces. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the real yeah. technique is definitely about using spaces that are familiar to you. Uh, but obviously, we can't do that uh, to to share. You know, it, across, around the world, we have to create these unique spaces for people. Yeah. So, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say exactly that. Um, you know, for students that are studying now, that's that's something they could try. Um, I'm sure if you know if you closed your eyes, you could probably walk through your entire house and name where everything is. Um, and so it's really that walk that that we're giving students. Um, but what we do is we create the space. Um, we make it a cohesive space, um, and then uh, we anchor information to all of these objects there, um, like the example that Andrew gave you. So really when a student gets a question on Salmonella, they close their eyes and they can walk through that scene um, that they did with us in the same way that they could you know, walk through a room in their house and tell you where everything is. Um, so a really powerful um, technique that that you know we've leaned into some more and, and have tapped into um, to get students really through all this, all this information you need to learn. Yeah. That's awesome. It's just it's tapping into the human's evolution of storytelling and just putting it in picture form. But th there are going to be students out there that that are listening to this going, well, I just I don't have that type of imagination and I don't remember pictures like that. So so this this isn't for me. What, what do you say when a student says that type of uh, objection to this type of learning? I mean, I, I'd offer them to to give it a try. Um, I think they're, you know, I, I think it sometimes it it goes into this idea of different types of learners. Um, you know, people being visual learners or text based learners, um, or not being visual learners. Um, when really that that whole concept has has really been debunked um, in terms of learning styles. Um, and I'd say that everybody has the capacity to learn um, in these different ways. Um, and I think it's it's really, um, you know, actually giving it a try um, and, and you know, seeing for themselves if uh, it's something that, that works for them. Yeah. So Sketchy makes sense for medical students trying to learn all this information for step one and level one. Um, but now you guys are entering the MCAT world for pre-med students. What was the thought process to go, hey, we can take the same information and, and apply it to the MCAT? Because it seems like the MCAT is just very different in terms of all of the things you need to learn. Uh, it's just a much broader test than, than something like step one. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, definitely, you know, it's the same students uh, just earlier on in their career. Uh, but you're right, the content is is very different. And that it, that challenge really excited us uh, because you, we really have to like hone on on our our learning style and, and really try to teach process and teach to uh, a different level of understanding. Uh, for micro, you know, it's mostly uh, just a lot of memory. Um, and you have to be able to organize all of that memory in a smart way. And, and we did that well. 
teaching physics is is totally different. And uh, but what we really believe is that at the core of really the the first step of 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 learning uh, is to just remember. Um, and without any sort of ability to remember, you don't have that foundation. And and so what we do is you know we help with that that part, and then we in the videos like build on that and and help walk people through the calculations and uh, help people remember the equations and uh, give still like give you this, uh, what we, what we hope will be this like stress relief on test day, where if, you know, you get a physics, a, a, a physics question, it's about fluid dynamics. You can close your eyes and see that video and, and kind of take a, a deep breath and be like, okay, I got this. I know, you know, everything I need to know about this is here somewhere. And I just have to, uh, I have to pluck it out and and apply it. Um, and so we think at the core of it, it's it's still the same problem we're solving. and uh, and then aside from just being what we what we hope is more effective, we also are are sure that it's going to be more fun. Um, I, I've been watching these physics videos that we've been creating, and I'm just like really jealous. Uh, I wish <laughs> I could have learned physics that way. Um, it's yeah. just, uh, it's it's we I think it's pretty pretty fun and and, and uh, I, I can tell that it's working for me. Uh, I'm recalling a lot more about physics than I did, uh, I think, when I even took the MCAT. So Yeah. Yeah, and, and just to clarify, we, we've been talking a lot about images, but each of these images has a video behind it with narration and a story that goes along with every piece of, of, of imagery inside of each of these scenes, correct? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, right. that's right. That's right. And the other thing that's great about the the actual have, having that image and having the visual space is that it, it allows you to see some of these concepts um, in a different way and with a lot more clarity. Um, like Andrew mentioned, we have a video on fluid dynamics. Um, and you know, that's one of those things that if you, you know, read a textbook about it, it's a little bit hard sometimes to visualize or truly understand a concept with clarity. But um, in our videos, uh, we're actually able to show that visually. Um, and this one is like, uh, under the sea with like fish going through tubes and, and you can really see the physics, um, and understand it. And, and when you're taking the MCAT, um, or even taking a physics exam, a, a lot of times what you're being tested on is really the foundational concept, um, of, of what, what is going on. Um, and having that understanding of, of kind of the underlying concept, um, I, I think will go a long way for students. Um, so physics is, is one example. We do, you know, something similar for, for some of our biology lessons. Um, and even, you know, going into organic chemistry now, um, where, where that kind of visual understanding, um, having that kind of plastered in your brain, um, can kind of be a, a compass for you as you're like solving these problems. Yeah. Where do you see sketchy MCAT in, in a student's kind of MCAT prep world? Is it a replacement for everything that's out there? Is it an adjunct to add on to all of their full length exams they're doing? Where, where do you see sketchy MCAT? So I, I think, you know, we don't, we don't like viewing ourselves as a test prep company. We, we really want to you know, try to get to uh, being a, a learning company. Just in general, we want to be be there along, like be your companion while you're uh, going through the experience and 
so like the ideal situation really would be like use sketchy like while you're learning physics or organic chemistry for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think uh, right now, uh, the way we're creating the MCAT course, and we're, we started with the MCAT specifically rather than saying, oh, this is uh, this is meant to accompany your undergrad courses just because we, we want to give people who are studying the, for the MCAT the, the opportunity to, to watch Sketchy. I would say right now, of course, like doing questions and doing practice tests should be the backbone of an MCAT studying, but we would fit in really nicely as being kind of the, the content that you consume before doing those questions, uh, just to refresh your memory about physics. If you didn't, or about, uh, well, everything that you, you need to know in MCAT, but, uh, yeah, just basically catch you up and and teach you uh, all the stuff you might have not learned the first time, mm-hmm. uh, and then doing questions after that. We could be certainly an adjunct uh, if you're in a comprehensive course, or if you're uh, you know buying a bunch of textbooks on your own or uh, buying different resources. I think we would be a great uh, adjunct. Um, we play nicely with others, uh, <laughs> but honestly, I think you know just using us and and using uh, question banks and uh, practice tests, I think that would be a great way to go. Yeah. The, the, the mention there of going along using sketchy while you're learning OCHEM or go however you say it, where, whatever part of the world you're in, uh, or physics or something like that. Do you see sketchy as potentially, a, an adjunct to the actual courses that students are taking in college and not specifically even for MCAT prep? They're, they're using it way before MCAT prep as well. So we're definitely gearing this this round towards MCAT. Like we're mm-hmm. we're picking only the stuff really specifically that you need to know for the MCAT. Okay. Um, but we are going, you know, to hopefully expand and uh, keep adding physics to help uh, help students earlier on uh, in their studies uh, to learn physics, like the first time they're taking it. But right now, no, definitely it's 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 scoped for the MCAT. Okay. Um, so. Uh, but again, that, that doesn't mean that you, you can't use it earlier. Uh, certainly if you were really, uh, you know, struggling in physics or in, in organic chemistry, uh, getting MCAT, the MCAT prep would, I I think certainly help. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And and, and I'd say today our, our medical product is, is being used more and more as a longitudinal, um, uh, study tool, Mm -hmm. uh, rather than a, a cram tool. Um, and for the MCAT as well, and, and the pre-med content we're creating, um, I think it could work j- just as well. Um, and as Andrew mentioned, really, as we continue to add more and more content, um, cause, cause really what happens is the student is able to go into this memory scene that we've created for them really the first time that they learn it. And now they have a place for a concept. Um, so as they continue to learn about it, as they answer questions about it as they get a lecture on it, um, they do a flashcard, whatever it may be, um, they're able to continuously go back to that same scene um, and continue to reinforce and strengthen that. Um, so by the time they get to their MCAT, it's it's you know really effortless for them to, to recall um, that concept um, and really go back to it. Uh, so using it over a long period of time is, is definitely beneficial um and something that we hope people do as we continue to to add more content for them to use nice any 
last words of wisdom here for for students on their their journey to medical school and and trying to conquer the MCAT with with everything you've all learned and have seen uh, with Sketchy helping students? Yes, I'll take that one. Um, hey, yeah, I, yeah, I'd say definitely like stay with it. It it gets it it certainly gets hard. It's it's challenging at times. You know, like I said, you make a lot of small sacrifices on the way, but but the payoff is is great. It's just like such a rewarding career. And uh, for me, I, I thought going into med school was was just so exciting to be learning about what you really want to learn about uh, all the time. Uh, every class to me, I, you know, not every class, but most classes were just like extremely exhilarating. And it just it really uh, reassured me that I that I was making the right right choice as a med student. So, and that wouldn't have been possible without all of that hard work that I put in as a pre-med. It's, it's a marathon and you've got to treat it like one. Um, so, you know, like I mentioned for me, every step of the way, there was kind of this new challenge. Um, this kind of new up level you have to do, um, in the way that you learn and study and kind of balance your life and all that. Um, but you know, like Andrew said, it's all it's all worth uh, worth the effort, um, and really trying to find time to also um, enjoy the journey because it is a long one. Um, and you know, I, I do look back at those years and and you know look back fondly, even though there were periods that were that were very difficult. Um, and then really, I think being being open to all the different ways that you can learn. Um, this material. Um, I, I remember trying all sorts of different learning techniques every time I had to, you know, get on the new curve. Um, and that was that was how we stumbled upon sketching and, and learning in this way. Um, so I'd, I'd encourage that. Um, and, you know, having having study groups and, and really a support group to get through it. Um, you know, Andrew was one of my study buddies and, and, you know, we spent a lot of time together, uh, getting through the, the grueling years of med school. Um, and it's easier to do it when you've got, you know, you've got friends going through it with you. All right. There you have it again, Dr. Andrew Berg, Dr. Saud Siddiqui, co-founders of Sketchy now with a new tool for you to use with Sketchy MCAT. Go check it out at sketchy.com. Just scroll down, you'll see an option to click on the MCAT and go sign up for a free account. And you can save 15% if you're gonna sign up. You can save 15% using a special promo code for being a listener of this podcast. It's MCAT HQ15. Again, that's MCAT HQ15. You can save 15% off Sketchy MCAT over at sketchy.com. That's S-K-E-T-C-H-Y.com. Go check them out, sketchy.com. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.